Good to be with you, Grace, those of you here in this room, those of you at home or wherever you might be. I'd like to pray, and then we'll get into the text this morning. God, you are the one who speaks to us. Help us to be your people who listen, who anticipate, who expect you to say something. God, thank you for drawing near to us, but also for drawing us near to you. I recognize even my own heart, Father, in the ways that I might resist that drawing near to you or being pulled toward you or perhaps distracted, all the things. You know my heart. You know our hearts. And yet I ask that your, your voice, your allure, your welcome is stronger than any of the ways that I might, that we might want to resist. God, you are good to us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ, and through your word, and in your ongoing presence in the spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'd like to start with a, um, like a story or a parable, a Jewish parable, and it's about this rabbi who was at a dinner party. He left the dinner party. He was on his way home. And as he's on his way home, there's a fork in the road, and if he needs, wants to go home, he needs to go left, because if he was to go right, he'd go to this Roman outpost. And maybe because it was just a great party, maybe he drank a little too much wine, maybe he was recalling what that guy on the other side of the table was saying, and he just couldn't believe it, he went the wrong way. He turned right instead of left. So then he finds his way to this Roman outpost, and there's this guard who sees this rabbi, this stranger coming toward it, and he yells out, he says, who are you and what are you doing here? And the rabbi was sort of stunned a bit and said, what did, what did you just say? And so then the Roman guard again says, who are you and what are you doing here? And so the rabbi stops, he looks at this guard and he says, how much are they paying you here? And the Roman soldier says, a hundred denarii. And the rabbi says, I will pay you double that if you come to my house every single day and ask me those two questions. Who are you and what are you doing here? I mean, those are the questions that we're living in response to that we may not even be aware. Who are you? And what are you doing here? And of course, these are the questions that we're always needing to answer. These are the questions that we think about when we're trying to come up with values about our lives or perhaps our families or organizations. Who are you and what are you doing here? Why do you exist? As I think about grace, the way that we've tried to answer this question of who are we and what are we doing here is in the simple phrase that we are people who want to learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. So who are we and what are we doing here? We are people who want to learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. And the way that we want to work this out together as a community of people is to have our life formed around four particular practices. Of course, there are more, but these are the four that we want to live into, that we want to be shaped by, that we want to be formed by, and we want to practice together. And so here are the four practices. 
You've heard me talk about this. Welcoming, listening, following, and going. These are the four practices of how we want to be people who are learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. People who are welcoming, who are listening, who are following, and who are going. We want to be at Grace better at actually talking about these and bringing these before one another on an ongoing basis throughout the year. And so this season of Grace, we're going to be focusing on the practice of listening. So we're going to go over the next few months thinking about, talking about this practice of listening. It's going to be a season of listening. We're going to talk about it in sort of big, big picture over the next couple weeks, and then we're going to be looking at different prayers in the Bible as we think about what does it mean that we serve a God who speaks? What does it mean to be a people who listen to this God? But what does it mean to be a people who listen to each other? So a season of listening. This morning, I want to talk more broadly about this idea of learning from Jesus, how to live and love like Jesus. So if you can, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. If you have a device or the blue Bibles underneath your chair, John chapter 1. One of my favorite things to look at in Scripture, particularly in the Gospels, are patterns of discipleship, patterns of what it means to follow after Jesus. And this is one of those patterns. We know in John chapter 1, it's this amazing picture of God coming to us in Jesus. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That the, that the God, the creator God of the world, wants so much to be known and wants so much to know us that he came to us. This is what we celebrated in Advent. But then we see this picture of this Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Word becoming flesh, engaging with these disciples. And it's a fascinating text, and we're just going to look at it this morning. So John 1, starting in verse 35. So the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, John the Baptist, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And so we have this moment where the, John the Baptist is with two disciples, and he sees Jesus almost walking by, and he says to these disciples, look, behold, the Lamb of God. And these disciples begin to follow after Jesus. Jesus notices that there are people following him, and he turns and he asks the question, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And isn't this the question? I want to leave you with this question for like 15 seconds. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What do you want? This is what Jesus asked these disciples. Consider that question and how you would answer it. So what are you looking for? What do you want? I mean, imagine Jesus asking you that question. And that is the question that Jesus does ask of his people who are following after him. 
What are you looking for? Just like I started with these two questions that was asked of this rabbi, who are you and what are you doing here? This next question, what are you looking for, asked by Jesus, are questions that we live by every single day, even if we do not know that we are asking them. We are living in response to the question of what are you looking for? So many of our decisions are answering that question. Chances are if you were to sit with that question, seriously considering it, asked by Jesus, you might have a lot of things that you might say, I just want peace, or I just want quiet. I just want things to slow down. I want my friend to give up this habit. I want my child to be more like this or to do less of this. I want my spouse to stop doing this or to start doing this. I want my job to feel more like whatever. I want to know why I'm here and what I'm doing. Now, chances are, if you were to ask those questions, there would be these surface-level questions, and then over time, you would peel back the layers and realize that there are questions underneath that question, that answer. If you were to say, I want this, and you were to interrogate that a bit, why do you want that? What's going on in your heart? What do you actually desire? The thing about Jesus that I think is so striking in this moment, in this pattern of discipleship, is that he's trying to get after what these disciples actually want. They don't answer the question. The disciples don't answer the question. Look what happens next. John 1, looking at 37. So the two, two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said, what are you looking for? They simply respond with rabbi, which translated means teacher. And then where are you staying? Now this is central. Jesus says, what are you looking for? Then these disciples say, rabbi, teacher. This statement, this proclamation about this Jesus is in some ways this answer. They are looking to be taught. They see Jesus as this teacher. As we think about discipleship and what it means to learn from Jesus, how to live and love like Jesus, we see here this pattern of discipleship that the disciples see themselves as students and as Jesus, the one who is to teach them. But isn't it weird that they then say, where are you staying? Where do you live? Where are you going? Teacher, where are you staying? Where do you live? Now, this isn't so weird if we think about the context of, of this time of what it means to be a student. We think of a student in some ways almost like church. We go in, we spend a period of time there, we learn some things, and then we just try to accumulate knowledge for the test that we know is going to come inevitably. That's what we do. We go to a place, we learn, we walk away, and we just make sure that we remember the information when we need to remember it. But a student, at this moment, thought nothing like that when it came to learning. They wanted to know where the rabbi was staying because it would not be strange for them to go and stay outside of the door. At least maybe want to live with them. At the very least, just stay outside of the door so they would not miss a thing that the rabbi might say or do. 
There is this assumption that if, in fact, Jesus was a rabbi, if he was the teacher they were to learn from, they could not miss anything that he would do. How does he hold his hand when he's, when he's eating? Or how does he hold his, his utensil when he's eating? Why did he do that? Wait, wait, why did he say that when that person asked that question? These disciples didn't want to miss a thing. These students didn't want to miss a thing that their teacher might say or do. So where are you staying is a very real question because they wanted to be as close to this rabbi as possible. And so then Jesus offers this invitation. And he responds with, come and see. Verse 39, he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. So he says these two things, come and see. Where are you staying? Well, come and see. These two things go together. It wasn't simply just get over here, but it was, all, it was see. It wasn't just simply watch. No, it was like get over here. Now, as we think about learning or maybe we think about what it means to be close to somebody who we think is special, it's nice to be close to a person who has some sort of status, because by virtue of being near to that person, it might have something to say about us and who we are. But Jesus wasn't just after having people close to him. He wasn't just after starting a movement that people were then just excited to participate in. No, he wanted them to get close, but then to watch. But he didn't just want them to watch. I mean, it's easy to go and, and see these people do amazing things. It makes me think of spring training. When we've gone to spring training, one of the things that you do, which if you think about it, is just super weird, is you get there early so that you can watch these players practice. That, that's what you do. And it's super exciting. You see these people doing these incredible things, and you are told you cannot get close to them at all. You just watch them throw a ball. You watch them take batting practice. It's like watching greatness is in some way satisfying, but it's not the whole thing. Jesus isn't just asking us to just watch him do these amazing things. No, he's saying get over here, get close, and watch. But not just stay close and be close to me so that you can be part of this thing that I'm doing. No, watch, live as I live. Come and see. This is the invitation that Jesus offers these disciples. And so, of course, the disciples then respond. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And then one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah which is translated anointed, the Christ. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And so as we look at this pattern of discipleship, we see that these, that these disciples know that Jesus is a teacher. They ask where he's staying because they want to be close. He says, get close to me, but also watch what I do. And so then they remain with him for that day. 
It's as if the author of John is wanting us to see that what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be with Jesus, to be a learner of Jesus, is to be close, is to watch, but then also what happens. Andrew can't help but go and talk to his brother, Peter, about what he's actually seen and experienced. So here we go. Andrew, after being with this rabbi for a period of time, recognizes that he is, in fact, as John said, he is the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah. He needs to go and tell Peter about what he's seen, who he's been with, who he's remained with. And so he gets Peter, and what does he do? Does he tell Peter, or does he give this long explanation, this long argument for why Jesus is the Christ? No, he just tells him exactly what he experienced and saw. Look, we found the Messiah. Come and see. And he brings him to Jesus. Again, this pattern of discipleship, learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus, is to remain with Jesus, dwell with Jesus, learn from Jesus, live like Jesus, love like Jesus, go tell others and share what it is you've experienced by actually being with this Christ, with Jesus Christ. This is the pattern that John here is offering us. And isn't isn't it striking that John uses this word of what the disciples did, remain, And if we think about John 15, if you want to go there, and what Jesus is talking about in terms of life on the vine, life with Jesus, I am the true vine, verse 1, my father is the vine grower, he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You've already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This word abide can also be thought of, translated as remain. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide or remain in me, I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide or remain in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide or remain in me, and my words abide or remain in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide or remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide and remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide and remain in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Abide, remain. This is precisely what these disciples, these first disciples in the book of John are doing. The word has become flesh, has come, has moved into the neighborhood. It has moved toward humanity. And then here we have this first moment when Jesus is then drawing humanity into relationship with him. And he says, come and see. Make your home in me. Dwell with me. Remain with me. Abide in me. This is the moment of discipleship, of giving oneself to Jesus. And so what do we see in this text in terms of our lives and what we might be called to do? 
Well, I want to suggest three things that we're called, called to dwell, to look, and to listen. We're called to dwell, to look, and to listen. So the first thing in this invitation to come and see, to get over here, get close, and watch is the sense of make your home with me. Be with me. Moment by moment, all the time, everywhere you are. And here's the assumption that Jesus is alive. That Jesus, through the resurrection, is actually alive. And his presence is ongoing through the Spirit. And so as a result, this dwelling with Jesus is not an idea. It is what we are called to do as disciples. That Jesus is here, present. That Jesus is present with you all the time, every moment. It is hard to grasp. We use that language and we talk about it. And the fact that it is true should mean it is absolutely confusing and completely mind-boggling. That Jesus is alive, that Jesus is present, that through his spirit he resides in us and with us, and he is then calling and inviting us to dwell with him. Again, this is not an idea. This is what we are called to do with our lives to make our home with Jesus. So this dwelling, it begins with this assumption that we have been invited by Jesus to come and see. This wasn't just then in John 1. This is the ongoing invitation that Jesus offers to all of his people who find themselves following after the rabbi. So learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus begins with dwelling with Jesus. To make your home with me, Jesus says. But often Christianity can feel like this. What Jesus is actually calling you to do is to do something. We think that's the first thing. To do something. Or be more like something. Or do less of something or this. But the first invitation of Jesus to his disciples here in John 1 is to get close and watch. Get close and watch me. Don't take your eyes off me. Don't go far from me. Come and see. And I don't know if this is, I think this is particularly human. I also think it's particularly Southern Californian, which is when we think about our lives, when we measure, we measure some sort of efficacy, something actually doing what it's supposed to be doing, we think of words like, well, efficient. We think of words like accomplishment. We think of words like competency. We certainly think of not wasting time. That these are the things we think of when we measure success as something. But when we measure success of being a disciple of Jesus, the first thing is, are we with Jesus? Are we dwelling with Jesus? Not are we doing this for Jesus or are we not doing that for Jesus? Or have I done this incredible thing with my spiritual life for Jesus? No. Are you close to Jesus? Are you watching Jesus? That is the first thing. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into, to dwell with him. Henry Nouwen says this, 
He says, by asking this question, these early disciples are essentially saying, show me what you're like. Where do you live? He says, this is where our prayers start. Our prayers start when we say, Lord, give me a sense of who you are. Some people say this about you. Other people say this about you. But I want a real sense of who you are. Do not be afraid to ask. And I love this. Just be there. Sit there and do nothing. Waste time with Jesus. This is what love does. Jesus is inviting us to waste time with him. In his presence. To dwell with Jesus. To make our home with Jesus. When's the last time you actually asked Lord, give me a real sense of who you are. When's the last time that I've asked that? Is that part of your prayer life? Lord, give me a real sense of who you are. Yes, I've heard this about you. I've heard this idea about you. But give me a real sense of who you are. And that's the, that's the, the relationship that Jesus is inviting us into. Like if you were to ask me to tell you about my family or about my wife or about my relationships, if I was to just state facts about who they are, well, my son is about this tall, my daughter is this age, they have this color hair, that would tell you nothing about the texture of relationship or the type of person they are. We know a lot of facts about what it means to be a Christian, about what it means of who Jesus is. But have you let, have you been open to God, to the person of Jesus, showing you, telling you who he is and what he's like. Sit there and do nothing. Waste time with Jesus. This is what love does. The next thing, look. So dwell with Jesus, make your home with Jesus, and then look and watch. So this has the sense of, of living a life of constant awareness or attentiveness. Not, being, not missing out. Again, standing right outside the door of where Jesus is because you can't miss out on anything he might say. That nugget of knowledge that he drops, you need it, you want it, you need to feast on it. What he does with his life and why he does this with that person or how he heals that person, you can't miss a thing. Watching, looking, being attentive. And imagine if we lived our lives with this type of awareness, not just in our, like, not just in our going, but in, in our actual relationships with other people. Imagining that Christ wants to give something to you to me through another person. I was struck by this question this week of, of what if I asked when I engage with a person, what is Christ wanting to give me through this person? Lord, what might I receive from you through this person? Or even from this moment? I mean, that's a question that helps us live a life of looking, of being aware, of being attentive. A person who talks a lot about discipleship named Rowan Williams says this, discipleship as awareness is trying to develop those skills that help you not miss God, to miss Jesus Christ. Awareness in this connection is inseparable from a sort of expectancy. And that is one of the characteristics that most clearly marks the true disciple. Disciples are expectant in the sense that they take it for granted that there's always something about to break through from the master, the teacher, something about to burst through the ordinary and uncover a new light on the landscape. 
The master is going to speak or show something. Reality is going to open up when you're in the master's company. And so your awareness, as has often been said by people writing about contemplative prayer, is a little bit like that of a bird watcher. The experienced bird watcher, sitting still, poised, alert, not tense or fussy, knows that this is the kind of place where something extraordinary suddenly bursts into view. Disciples watch. They remain alert, attentive, watching symbolic acts as well as listening for instructive words, watching the actions that give the clue to how reality is being reorganized around Jesus. Now, I can, I can hear the mind, your mind, because it's my mind saying, but like, this is hard because Jesus, yes, we keep talking about his presence. We keep talking about like he's real, but I do not see him. I don't know if you know that, but I don't see Jesus. So what do you do with that? No, honestly, like, I need your help. Like, what do you do with that, with that question? It's complicated. It's strange. And it is something as we as Christians profess, that Jesus is present, is with us. And one of the ways that he is, through the Spirit of God, is through this thing we call church. Not this building, but you, me, us together, that Jesus' presence through his spirit is ongoing. You are the presence of Christ. We are the presence of Christ. Jesus is alive because he has been raised from the dead by the Father. The spirit has been poured out upon his people. And we become the embodiment of Christ's presence. It's not the only way that Christ is present, but it is one of the most palpable, real, and embodied ways that Christ is present. And so to encounter you, to receive you as Christ, the presence of Christ, is a very real thing we need to do and see within one, one another. That is why the question, what might Christ be giving to me through this person, through this community, through this people, is absolutely essential. But then there's also this reality of the fact that through the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit which indwells God's people in a communal way and in a personal way, means that I am to be living my life expectant that something might break through. The way that Rowan Williams talks about it is in the, of, of, in the way of a, bird, of a bird watcher, which that is, I do not understand that. I do not watch birds, but I take a lot of photos. And one of the things that happens when you take pictures is that you look through a camera for an extended period of time until you see something that you want to capture. And often, what happens is that something strikes one who's taking the photo as interesting or as surprising, and you want to hold on to that. Well, in a way, following after Jesus and looking at Jesus and being attentive and aware of Jesus is wanting to imagine that we are living a life imbued with God's presence, 
through his spirit, and I don't want to miss out on what Jesus might be doing. From the time that I wake up, I am looking, expectant, hopeful that the master might do something, might teach me something, might say something. I am walking, I am, I am talking with a person, I am engaging with my children, I am having lunch with a friend, I am at my job, waiting and watching for the master, the rabbi, to break through. Is that how you live? Is that how I live? Newsflash, no. But it is something I feel convicted by to be and to do is to be watching and waiting because the Spirit of God, the presence of Jesus, the rabbi is inviting me to learn from him constantly, always, no matter where I'm at. So looking, watching, so dwelling, making our home with Jesus, looking, imagining that something might break through, might break in at any moment, and then finally listening. And this is the season we're in to be looking at what it means to be people who listen. I mean, this whole passage in John chapter 1 hinges on listening. Let's look at it again with that in mind. The next day, John again was standing with two disciples, verse 35. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, so there's that word, here's the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the morning. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we've found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas. See, this whole passage hinges on, learn, on, on listening. They hear John the Baptist proclaim this thing about Jesus. They can't take John's word for it. They need to follow after Jesus. They need to believe that this is actually true. He is, in fact, the teacher who is the Lamb of God. And then he goes to tell Peter. So listening. And if you look throughout Scripture, and this is what we're going to do over the next few weeks, I mean, God is a God who speaks. God's people are people who listen. It is the very core of what it means to be a disciple, what it means to learn from Jesus. And so my question to you is, what or who are you listening to? Because listening has to also do with imagination. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What takes up most of your brain space? What voices? What people? What ideas? What fears? What anxieties? What things? What are you listening to? Because we're called as disciples to listen to the one who asks, what are you looking for? And we're called to be disciples who hear the invitation, come and see, get over here and watch and look. And so as we step into this idea of being a people who are learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus, I want to offer you three ways to pray. Three ways to pray to maybe leaning into this dwelling, looking, and listening. They're actually in your bulletin, I think, on the inside flap. And I suggest praying these 
the beginning of the day, throughout the day. First prayer, Lord, help me have a fresh encounter with you. And that sounds so good, to have a fresh encounter with Jesus. I think that's something we should want and something we can expect and hope for. But we often don't ask for it. I mean, one of the things I love about the Apostle Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 is that he is praying that these people would see and understand the depth of God's love. They need God's help to know his love. We need God's help to encounter him afresh. Lord, help me have a fresh encounter with you. And then, Lord, give me a sense of who you are. And, Lord, help me receive what you have for me today. Three simple prayers. Three simple prayers to pray, to take with you, as a way to hopefully dwell with Jesus, look out for Jesus, and listen to Jesus. It's my prayer for our community, for our church, for grace, coming off of Advent, thinking about a God who is actually with us, is to think about a God who's been enfleshed in Jesus, drawing us to be with him. Asking all of you, asking me, the very real question of what it is we're looking for, and inviting us, welcoming us, to come and see, to hang on his every word, his every action, and imagine that Jesus is in fact alive, wanting to teach us and shape us and form us. I mean, thanks be to God that that is the God that we see in the person of Jesus Christ. So there's an opportunity, actually, to receive prayer. And perhaps these are three ways that you can be prayed for or be prayed with. So there are going to be people on the sides here, my left and right, your left and right, and there are going to be people there who want to pray with you. And maybe you just need a fresh encounter with Jesus. Maybe actually the question for you, like, what are you looking for, really struck you? And you realize maybe for the first time, oh, I think I've been looking this whole time for Jesus. My heart has been restless. And Jesus might in fact give me rest. So perhaps this is a moment, this is a day, this is an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus. I do want to follow Jesus. I do want to go and see Jesus. People want to pray with you and pray over you for that. So